the first thing I want to always do is basically make people thirsty, make people want to reach in and grab that. Um, most beverage, uh, especially cold beverage, you know, you want to convey that it's a hot day that it's, but it's, it's going to be refreshing. And that's, you know, the condensation on the glass or on the bottle, um, you know, make it look like if, you know, especially if it's, you know, supposed to be served cold, make it look like it just, you just pulled it out of the refrigerator and put it in a room and it started to, it started to condense. You want to make it enticing. Um, you want to make it so that anybody looking at it is going to say, wow, I want to drink that right now. That's the essence of beverage photography from Freddie Clark of Santee Photo. And today he will teach you how to make people thirsty. there, Canon friends. Welcome to the EOS Photographer Podcast. If you are learning photography using your Canon gear, you're in the right place. Here, we speak with great photographers and extract practical lessons for you. From Rebels to 5Ds, the gear you own is the gear we'll feature. Now, here's your host, Linford Morton. Hi, and welcome to episode 109 of EOS Photographer Podcast. This is Lynn, and I have a great episode for you. Today, we talk primarily about beverage photography, which is a more challenging subset of food. Instagram is flooded with photos of people snapshotting their meals. Shoot, I've done it myself. But when you want to set up a stylized shoot of a beverage in a glass or a bottle, that's a different level of effort. Lucky for us, we've got a great food and beverage photographer to talk with us today in episode 109, Freddie Clark. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audio download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash EOS photographer. There are more than 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 players. One of my favorite books on Audible is a book for creatives called Do the Work by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about what might be getting in the way of you and I producing our best work, about starting projects and not finishing them. And he says it's about recognizing that every time you're on your way to creating something big, there's this force called resistance that gets in the way. And in his book, he talks about how to recognize it and deal with it. It's really great inspiration for creatives. For that book and any of the others on audible.com, there's a special, special gift for my EOS Photographer podcast listeners. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. And as I said, I've been an Audible customer for years and love the service, and that's why I feel confident recommending it to you if you like to learn in audio format like we are here, you'll love Audible. If you've ever experienced your mouth watering just because you're looking at a photo of a cold drink, well, you can thank people like Freddie Clark. 
Freddie Clark found beverage photography when he was looking for something to photograph one rainy day. Now, he'll tell you all about his backstory during the interview. But after mastering the art of beverage photography, he now works for beverage brands and restaurants as the photographer of Santee Beverage and Food Photography. Freddie teaches workshops and photography for Canon, vision workshops, and independently. Today, he's teaching us. All right, I'm with Freddie Clark right now. Freddie Clark is a beverage and food photographer from central New Jersey. Fred, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Lynn. How are you? I'm doing great as well. I'm so glad that we have a chance to talk because, you know, having seen you at work and seeing you seen you teach, I'm, I'm just really been impressed with the work you do with both beverage and food photography, um, not to mention others. So thank you, thank- man. Yeah, looking and, forward to this. And it's 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 a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, good deal. Good deal. So, you know, I I I remember the first time I saw your you work. I think we were you you were doing a workshop where you, you know, brought beverages to life and which was really impressive and really cool. When did you start this? So, what's your background? How did you get into this area okay. of specialty? So, um my background, I was not traditionally a photographer, or traditionally, originally a photographer. So when I, I, I got out of college, I was uh, actually in broadcasting and um, and I worked at some uh, radio stations throughout New Jersey and photography kind of grew out of, of all places, from having a daughter, from having a child. Mm. Um, so um, when my, my daughter was you know, coming, she was, you know, gestating, she was on her way. Um, <laughs> I realized I didn't even have a camera really in the house. And this was, you know, this was the days before cell phones and before iPhones. And, you know, I really didn't have a good camera. So uh, we went out and we bought a camera and, you know, I, I was, I was put it on automatic and see what happens for, for a long time. But as, as time progressed and I, I got more interested in photography, I really started delving more into the whys. You know, like mm-hmm. if I, if I was lucky enough to get a good shot of my daughter or a landscape or whatever it may have been, um, I wanted to know how could I repeat that because I knew it was luck. I knew it was, you know, the broken clock is right twice a day anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I wanted to find out exactly how to do that. So I delved more and more into photography and, um, you know, learning at the time, internet was very young and wasn't the resource that it is today. Mm-hmm. So a lot of books, uh, a lot of magazines, uh, a lot of trial and error. Uh, so I started to really get into it, learn and shoot more. Um, and I was all over the place. I had, I was, I did portraits. I did landscapes. I did street photography for a while. I was, I did shoot weddings for a few years, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, God bless the people who shoot weddings. It's exhausting work. And I have the utmost respect for them because I, it's not something I could have done long-term. So um, beverage really came about one day. Uh, actually, it was a, it was a rainy day. And I had a weekend to myself and I had nothing to do and I was nowhere to go. And I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to shoot something, but I didn't really have anything. I didn't want to go out. I didn't have a model handy, you know, ready standing by. So I was looking around the house and I opened my refrigerator. And of course, you have a daughter, right? I have a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> There's your model, but go on. Well, she wasn't with, she, we, I was divorced already and her, she was with her mom that weekend. Oh, okay. So, never mind. No, no problem. And um, so um, I opened the fridge and I, of course I had, 
beer in the fridge. And I'm like, let me try Ooh. shooting a beer bottle. And, you know, so I, I set it up and I shot it and it was awful. It was terrible. Um, I still have it. And I look at it from time to time just to remind myself how bad it was. Um, and um, I, I decided, you know, I really want to get better at this. Um, because it is glass, because it is challenging, very reflective, you know, I've, I'd seen ads on billboards and buses and TV and print, and I'm like, this looks nothing like those. How do I get there? Right. Right. So it, then it became, um, it became a passion of mine to try to figure out how are they getting there? How are these, these people doing that? Um, I, at about the same time, I did start shooting food as well. Uh, my cousin owns a few restaurants on Staten Island, and he came to me one day and said, "Could you shoot this? Could you shoot food? Could you shoot pictures for my website?" And I said, "Yeah, I could. Yeah, I'll give it a shot." And those were not terrible um, mm-hmm. at the time. I thought they were passable. Uh, you know, I I've gotten you know I've improved again. There's there's a whole realm in in shooting food as well, um, but the beverage was really. Um, it, I was drawn to it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't because I just like drinking because you can't drink while you're shooting. It was, it was a matter of, I found it challenging and okay. you know, how, how can I get, how can I make this look as good as I've, as I see? And that was mm-hmm. the, that was the driving force behind, you know, trying to improve in that area. So clearly you, you, you saw all the challenges up front because it sounds like you made a lot of the the early mistakes, like what were the challenges you found to photographing beverages and or glass, as you say, it seems almost inherent, but just, well, yeah, glass, talk us through those. Sure. Um, glass is very reflective as you know, right? Right. And you have to think about what does the glass see? Not just what you, not, not just what you're seeing through the lens or when you're looking at the glass or the bottle, but what is the glass seeing when it's looking back at you? Because it like sees that. a lot, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you don't realize the reflections. Um, you know, you shoot a glass the wrong way and you look in it, you can see yourself, you know, right. you could see the room around you in the glass. And mm-hmm. that's the biggest obstacle to get through is how am I going to, how am I going to get this photo without seeing everything around me? Or how am I going to remove all that? Um, mm-hmm. And there's tricks with glass and bottle prep. There's tricks with angles. There's tricks with lighting. So it's a matter of, you know, that, that piece of it. And then lighting, um, the light coming through and hitting a glass and hitting a bottle. You never know. Exactly, especially when you're shooting a, a, a like a whiskey bottle or a bourbon bottle, or even a, a really interest, intricate wine bottle. Uh, glass bounces light every which way, and it doesn't always. Mm-hmm. It, it's not always immediately Control. evident how mm-hmm. it's gonna how it's going to um, be affected in that bottle. Because it's round, right? You know, when you're shooting a when you're shooting a bottle, you think, all right, the, the left light is going to affect the left side of the bottle. The right light is going to affect the right side of the bottle. Well, that's not true. It's the, it's the exact inverse sometimes where, right. you know, you'll get that stray light coming through the bottle from the opposite side. And depending on the curvature of the bottle, you're like, well, how is this affect? Oh, how is, wow. How is that there? And that shouldn't be there. And, you know, it's not always, I'm sure if, if I was a physicist, I could say, yes, that that's exactly how it should be. But trust me, I ain't no physicist. So, <laughs> Yeah, I do remember you you demonstrating that once, how the light was going, actually wrapping around a bottle, going to the other, the other side. So, yeah, that was kind of fascinating. So 
so you have the challenges of you know what the bottle sees i I, I like how you describe that and then light and how you control it and how it bounces and reflects anything else that you 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 think about when you are when you are now beginning to plan a shoot of let's say you know a bottle of of or even a glass let's so it, I'll usually try to come at it to the first thing I want to always do is basically make people thirsty, make people want to reach in and grab that. Mm-hmm. Um, most beverage, uh, especially cold beverage, you know, you want to convey that it's a hot day that it's, but it's, ref- it's going to be refreshing. And that's, you know, the condensation on the glass or on the bottom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make it look like it, if, you know, especially if it's, you know, supposed to be served cold make it look like it just you just pulled it out of the refrigerator and put it in a room and it started to it started to condense um, right. or you just pulled it out of the cooler and it's dripping with ice and condensation and it's so you want to make it you want to make it enticing um you want to make it so that um anybody looking at it is going to say wow I want to drink that right now you know mm-hmm. um so that's that's a big consideration the other consideration is then what's the story behind it um, I was just going to ask about yeah. that what's what's the wh- where am i where where are you what, what you know what's going on why is this here what's happening around it is it a is it a mm-hmm. sunny day at the beach is it a bar with your friends and everybody's you know sitting around having a beer who haven't you know they haven't talked in months and you're all catching mm-hmm. up around a beer um has it been a really long crappy day at work and you're you're coming home and and there's a you know you got a, a shot of bourbon that you're going to have with dinner <laughs> you know right. um so it, it's what is the, what is the story? I mean, a lot of the photography for beverages, yes, you do need to do you need to know how to do really well done, well lit product shots. So the traditional white background uh, mm-hmm. cutouts, those types of things, and that's a real important part of it. But a lot of times, look at magazines and look at uh, look at billboards. There's a story there, and if you take a minute to you know look beyond just the oh, all right, that's a bottle of scotch, but, but what's what's happening around that bottle of scotch um mm-hmm. and tell a story around it like one of one day i was uh, i drive my girlfriend i think a little nuts cuz i'll we'll be watching a show and i'll pause the i'll pause it thank god you can still do that and i start writing yeah. down stuff on my ipad we were watching like a, a deadwood and mm-hmm. you know one of the scenes where um um they're sitting in a bar and they're playing cards and there's a bottle of bourbon, you know, old bottle of bourbon amongst the cards and the chips. And I'm like, mm, that's a great, that there's a, a shot up. There's, right. a, there's a setup, you know, make an old style card game with a bottle of bourbon and a shot of whiskey next to it, you know, or, you know, a shot glass. Yeah, look for, I see that. Yeah. Look for, look for things because we all have this shared sense of, we all have a shared history of, of seeing things like that. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, beverage and food in general, I think is culturally, uh, you know, one of the most, the biggest things we all share. So there's always stories that you can mm. put into that, that immediately will, will click a memory, Resonate. click a, click a, you know, something that happened to you years ago, maybe. Right. So you want to find a story. You want to tell a story. It's not story always just, mood. it's not always just a straight shot. Got it. Okay, excellent. Okay, so you're starting to set up your 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 shot, and you know, I'm thinking, you know, we went out with my wife the other day. We had some mojitos, and I remember, you know, how how the glass looked kind of cool. 
you know, with the with the mint leaves and everything, you're getting ready to set up a shot of that or the bourbon or whatever. What's the the first thing you 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 do now? Okay, so what I I will prep the lighting as much as I can ahead of time. So I will I will set up my shot usually without the final glass prep or bottle prep, um, but have a glass or bottle in the in the in the setting. So I'll decide what's what kind of background do I want to have. Uh, what props do I want to have around? So you'll have a stand-in almost like the actors do exactly. with the stars in the trailer. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Have a stand-in, right? And mm-hmm. then, um, sit, make, you know, have um, my cameras set up. I'm looking through the viewfinder. I am, you know, positioning things where I want them. Um, and then I'm bringing in lighting, you know, and, and like anything else, start with one light. Uh, you know, how, where do you want that first light to be? Is it a background light? Is it back from the side? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and position one light at a time. Now, now you're positioning the light, but your real subject isn't there. So knowing how unwieldy it can be with the glass, how, how can you set light? Well, my, my, well, my subject is there. It's just not fully ready. So I will, I got it. If I, if I, if I am going to shoot a beer or a whiskey or I will put, I'll have the glass I'm going to use. Um, I will fill it with liquid. Um, you know, if it's going to be a clear alcohol, I will fill it with, uh, water or tonic water. If it's a, if it's a beer, I do have a, 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 a segment of beer that I use kind of as throwaways. It's not expensive. It's kind of just my, it's my prop beer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I will use, uh, apple juice to, to mimic whiskey or bourbon, right? So I will have everything set up. Where it's just it's as close as I can get it to without being the hero, but it's it it is there and it's ready to go, and I'm watching at that point how the lighting is affecting it. Um, Gotcha. Because one, I mean, I try to set up everything so that the hero has some legs to it, so it will last. Um, Like the condensation that on on glass, Um, you know, that is that is that's not just straight water, and that's not real condensation. That is a mixture of glycerin and water that I'm prepping glasses and spraying on the glasses or the bottles. So that will, after a few minutes, that sets and holds for me. So I've got some time there. Um, so it's, it's the, 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 the setup, the, the scene is there um, and I'm adding light to that and I'm getting as close as I possibly can ahead of time. Um, and usually when I'm, when, when I have everything you one, two lights, sometimes three lights or some reflectors in there. Once I have it nailed down to where I think I'm 95% there, then I usually put a, I'll put a penny down on the, on the scene underneath where the glass was or the bottle was. Um, I'll then take the glass and I'll do my final prep. Um, so usually I have, I, when I buy glasses and, and such or, or bottles, I usually buy them in two or more. Um, I get them in two or more so that, mm-hmm. um, one of the big preps I do is, um, I'll, I'll spray a glass, I'll spray a glass and or a bottle with dulling spray. Mm-hmm. Um, usually the night before I'm going to shoot. And then I also will give it a coat of, a, uh, a covering of clear coat, um, spray. And what that okay. does is that will do two things for me. Dulling spray helps to fight some of those reflections. Okay. Um, and also will give it a little more of a chill look. Okay. Uh, it give it, so it adds a little bit of that frost that you might see on a glass or a cold bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then, like I said, it, it de- definitely does numb down some of those ref- wild reflections you may get. Mm-hmm. And then the clear coat, especially if I'm going to do condensation on it, the clear coat spray uh, gives that condensation a little more grip. It gives it something to really hold on to. Um, you know, glass being super smooth, you want a little bit of molecular grip, right? So you don't want it to you don't want it to be visible, but you want something that it will hold on to there. So that clear coat gives that. So that usually I do that prep work on the glasses um, the day before. Mm-hmm. So then when I'm ready for my hero, um, I take a brick that glass that I prepped. Why do you do it the day before, Fred? Uh, just to give it some time to, to it's because it's spray, it's paint, it's you know, it's it's lacquer type got, of stuff. Oh, got so it. let okay, it uh-huh. let it dry, let it cure in, let it you know, mm-hmm. let it. Uh, so it's, I don't want I don't want I want to limit the amount of variables, and mm-hmm. I. I want to, the reason why I don't use real condensation is I can't control it. So right, if right. I, I want to be able to control everything that's happening on that glass. Mm-hmm. So what the, what the clear coat and the dulling spray and letting that dry, that's not going to run on me. That's going to be locked in so that mm-hmm. when the condensation, when I'm spraying it, then with the condensation, you know, once that locks in, I know, okay, if I move, I want to see the, I want to see the condensation this way. I like the way the condensation here is running down the side of the glass. That's what I'm going to use for the front and for the side. So that once that's locked in, it's not a race against the clock and I'm not worrying about the stuff dripping out. It's where exactly where I want it. And that's exactly how I'll then place it back on the set. Okay. And then, um, then I'll fill the glass with whatever the beverage is. Um, if I'm you use, you use the actual beverage for the real shoot, or I do. You- yeah, yeah, I use the actual beverage for the real shoot. I don't think that it's I don't think it's ethical to to of you know course. to to make something that, you know show something that's not, and that's uh, and that's what I do with my food photography as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will do things to prep it. I will do things to m- build it up a little bit, manipulate it a little bit. But I, if I'm shooting a restaurant, I want to use their food. If I'm shooting a product, I want to use their food. Same yeah. thing with the beverage. That makes sense. Okay. So then um, what I'll usually do is I'll tap, I'll fill the glass usually about three quarters of the way, depending on the liquid. If it's a still, if it's something that doesn't foam up like wine or or uh, bourbon or whiskey, you know, I can fill it up to exactly where I want it. Um, but if it's something that has a foam to it, like especially beer, uh, I'll go about three quarters of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take one or two more test shots, make sure everything is locked back in, make sure everything is right and make sure I have all everything positioned right. And my lights are, are still acting the way I want them to act. And then, um, once I'm happy there, I will, uh, top off the beer, uh, foam it up. And there are some tricks you could use to foam it up. Um, the best trick is, uh, a, a, a bamboo, uh, chopstick. Um, a fresh bamboo chopstick, putting it in beer and stirring it, you will get a nice, you'll hmm. get a nice head. Um, and it, you don't have to use salt and, you know, you don't have to worry about ruining the beer. Um, right. Cause I, that's a sin to You're me. Drink it later, right? right? Exactly. <laughs> Once this shit's over, I'm, I'm drinking that thing. So, um, and then, yeah, I'll get the, I'll get the head where exactly where I want it. Um, and then I'll, uh, click the shutter usually one last time, second time for good luck, just in case. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, uh, then, like I said, then I'll drink that beer. Oh, nice. Nice. Now, I know you sort of briefly talked about some of the props you use. I remember you having, you know, the plastic ice cubes and a few other things like what other kinds of 
props would people look for when they're doing this kind of photography? That well, I mean, I mean, of course, glassware, um, uh, tabletops. Um, if you want to mimic a bar scene, you want something that looks like you know nice varnished wood. If mm. you you know, um, but I use a lot of different uh, backdrops, a lot of different uh, surfaces. Uh, that's the biggest, you know, the biggest, you want, you want different looks. So, uh, you know, finding different surfaces, finding different backgrounds, that's important. Finding different glassware. Um, as you start to really get into beverages, you realize that, you know, people will look askew if you don't have the right glass for the right beverage. So mm. there are, you know, you know, there are certain bourbon glasses. There are certain glass glasses. Mobs. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you want to, you know, you want to kind of keep that in mind. Authentic, sure. They're authentic, right. There's different even for different styles of beer, whether it's a uh, an IPA or a Goza or a Pilsner, there are different glasses for those even different styles of beer. So you mm-hmm. want to think about the glass style. Um, and then it becomes really, you know, stirrers. If you're making mixed drinks, uh, stirring equipment, um, tumblers, you know, those types of things. But then mm-hmm. it gets back to the story. You know, what what story do you want to tell, and what do you need with that? Um, I did a right. shot a couple week, uh, a month or two ago that I wanted it to be very summery. So my backdrop was a beach blanket. Um, the beer was sitting in the middle of a blow up flamingo, like a little uh, uh-huh. floaty device flamingo, and there's some. Um, there's some uh, suntan lotion. There's a, a book, uh, a paperback book. So like what things would you find when you were at the beach? So mm-hmm. a lot of the props are going to be dependent on your story. Your story. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So that what stories sense. you want to – I look, my, my girlfriend laughs at me because almost weekly there's a box that arrives from Amazon or, <laughs> you know, she's like, what did you get this time? I'm like, well, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's suntan lotion, a blow-up flamingo, and a beach ball. She's like, okay. There's a story in there. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I like that a lot. It's the story and it's the mood that you are trying to create that would dictate you know, how you how you create the scene, the set, mm-hmm. as you will. Yep. Exactly. Um, and so tell me about the the tools you're using in terms of now gear. And you, you briefly talked about lighting. Mm-hmm. Um like what are you shooting with in lenses, lights? Okay. Like you know, sure. what what are you using? Okay. What's in the toolkit? Uh, so the camera, and um, I know I get a lot of I do get a lot of uh, I get a lot of mockery for this. I'm still using a Canon 5D Mark II. Um, okay, I, it works, right? I, it works, and I love it. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt that my daughter's in college and I can't afford a new camera right now. But um, I do it. it, it, it I, it's it's very comfortable. It, I know it backwards and forwards. Um, I know all the menus inside and out. It's an extension of me, and um, mm-hmm. you know, and and that Something goes along with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, lenses. Um, I've got a what I don't spend on cameras. I have spent on glass. Um, there you go. I've got uh, the uh, Canon, um, the Canon L100 uh, macro lens that I use a lot, the 2.8. Um, mm-hmm. That is probably my main go-to lens for a, a lot of the a lot a lot of the food stuff. I do like to do close-up, um, but I also say why uh, is it because of the macro or is yeah, that focal well, length good for you or what? The, uh, both. Um, I, I like the hundred millimeter. Um, I, I like the hundred mil. I like the glass. I think it's it's a well made piece of glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the macro ability. I like to get close a lot of times. Um, you know, if you go to my website, there are even even for 
glass and beer. I mean, there's stuff that, you know, I do like to shoot. You know, I won't even show an entire glass. I'll be, you know, in a quarter of it or half of it. So you can really see the, you know, the, what's going on with the condensation and the foam and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And for food too, I, I do like to get close um, to show the glisten of the meat, the the texture of the vegetables. Um, so that that is a very good lens for that. Um, I also like to use my 85-1-2. Um, mm-hmm. I use that a lot as well. How do you use that? Um I mean, I'm a, that gives me a little more of the scene than the 100 will. So if I want to, if I want to back out a little bit and show a little more of the ambiance, gotcha. Um, uh-huh. you know, that's where I'll, I'll I'll use there. Look, it's 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 like anything else. I, the telephotos are going to uh, bring you closer into the scene, bring everything mm-hmm. tighter to you, um, mm-hmm. and narrow that field of view. And as right. you want to t- open up to tell more of a story, you've got to go wider. Um, so I I usually. 100 is about the 100 macro is usually the the tightest. I used to have uh for my wedding days, uh I used to have the uh 70 to 200 28. Mm-hmm. Um the only problem I found with that is a lot of time, well in my studio I don't have a lot of room and you need the space to, to, back to, up, to focus sure. that bad boy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then um you know, even in restaurants and stuff, when I'm on location, it's very hard to be able to have that kind of space. It's a beautiful piece of glass, but it I found for me, it doesn't, it didn't lend itself well because of the focal distance, um, gotcha. the focal range rather. Um, and then I will use the minimum focal distance, focusing distance. Exactly. It's a little, it was a little too far mm-hmm. for me. Um, uh-huh. the 85 is just on that cusp and I can, I can maneuver that and still, you know, tell a, a little bit more of the story. Um, and then I'll mm-hmm. use a, I will use a 50 sometimes, especially at restaurants and, and, and locations and bars and breweries where I really want to include a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, and I have them, I will go 24 sometimes and I will go 17 millimeters sometimes too. Um, oh, okay. they're rare. Um, there, I would not start with those focal lengths if I was putting together a kit, but, um, right. they're, they're nice to haves. And again, this is just to show the whole table, I'm guessing. Exactly. Yes. So if, um, especially the 24, well, I might've been more of it because that's the 24 to 70. I might've been around the 35 millimeter range. Uh, mm. I did a shoot for a restaurant, um, and we were, um, doing, um, a Valentine's day promotion. And we wanted mm-hmm. to convey what it would look like to be at the restaurant with your date. So um, I set, we set up the food, we set up the table, and then I did two different shots. They kind of ran, um, they ran in conjunction with one was from a um, position where you're looking at uh, a female dinner date mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. other was looking at a male dinner date. And, you know, we didn't show faces, but we showed the table, you know, we, you could tell one with a fe- one, one was a female, one was a male. And it image. was, yeah. it was showing what it would look like when you're having dinner with your, with your date, mm-hmm. you know, Got so it. that I needed to have that 35 ish, uh, range and width to tell the whole story. So you use a 24 to 70 to, to capture all of these wide angle focal lengths. You're not using any of the primes. Then. No, I, um, I used, I never had that range of prime. Um, my okay. prime is my prime is the hundred and the 85. And then I will rely on zooms. Even the ultra wide, I got a 17 to 40. Okay. So that's what I use for, uh, for, for the, for the width there. Gotcha. Okay. What about lighting? Uh, lighting. I, I've progressed through to studio lighting. Uh, right now, I use a lot of the stuff from uh, Paul uh, C. Buff. 
Okay. okay. Um, I use there because it, I, I did find it. It's, it's, um, it's very, it's good and versatile. The Einstein lights have a great, um, mm. a great short. You can do a real short, uh, flash duration, which helps for splashes. Um, oh, can- yeah, yeah. the Canon speed lights are great for those. I still, I have three of those that I use for this too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when you want to capture a splash or capture that liquid in midair, you know, everybody thinks it's, it's shutter. It's, it's more flash. Right. Uh, so you want a nice quick burst of light to mm-hmm. really freeze that in, in, in space. Um, and I found that the, well, the can the speed lights do it very well and the Einsteins do it very well as well without, without being $5,000 per light kit. Um, right. that's my, you know, that would be the next jump. Um, you know, when, when, to go to like the pro photos and stuff like that. But for now, right, right. You know, I, the Einsteins have, uh, treated me very well. Okay. Yeah. And you say you, you, your, your shoots, you typically go between one to three lights. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on the story, I mean, I do try to keep it as simple as I can, but you know, sometimes you, you know, you need, you want to, you want to fill the frame with, you know, you want to focus on different things. So I will from time to time break out all three. Um, when I'm doing like a, especially with a straight bottle shot, I do like to think about, um, rim lighting and then mm. backlighting to get that glow. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes that glow will be a, uh, a, uh, flash shooting through the bottle. Other times it will be a flash bouncing through the bottle off of a reflector that's behind the bottle, a cutout reflector in the shape of the bottle or the glass, and then the light bouncing back through to the camera. So sometimes, um, you know, that, that's how I get that glow as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. usually, usually three lights is about where I, where I end up. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. This is a lot of good stuff, Fred. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> pretty, so. Pretty comprehensive. Yeah. Good stuff. So so what are you working on these days in terms of, I, I know you have some workshops coming up. We're actually planning one as well. Yes. Yes. W- where will you be next? Uh, where where well, can people I've, find you? Um, I'm, I have my website is santephoto.com. S-A-N-T-E-P-H-O-T-O. Sante means okay. cheers in French. So santephoto.com. Uh, everything I do will end up there. Um Coming up right now, um, where you and I are, are talking about and planning for March of 2020, um, a cultural workshop in New Orleans. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. I think, um, you know, oh, yeah. being um, being a food and beverage photographer, I think it's very cultural, um, like I said earlier. Um, and I think food and beverage and, and music and dance all are very intertwined. And certain cities, um, most cities, have a have a backbone of culture um, based on the people who've come through it over time. And I think New Orleans is, is one of those cities that it's really front and center. Um, so I think, uh, you know, three or four days roaming around New Orleans, shooting food, shooting uh, at breweries and restaurants and, uh, and music too. And music and shooting at clubs and, and right. seeing local musicians play. Um, you know, and then wa- wandering the streets and, and watch, you mm-hmm. know, roaming the streets with a second line band and going, mm-hmm. going through and learning this, a little bit of the history while you're shooting some street photography. I think that's going to be a, that's a, that's an amazing opportunity, um, to, to get to see a city from all those different angles. Um, so that I'm Absolutely. looking forward to, um, so that, that will be on the website when we post that, which mm-hmm. probably should be within, you know, a, soon. A, a couple of weeks soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, I have a uh, fall trip with Rick Salmon. Uh, we're going to Mount Rainier in October of 2020. 
Nice. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be landscape and, 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 uh, and I was going to ask, what do you see? What, what's the, what's the view in Mount Rainier? I just think of it from, I guess, well, the yeah, bottom of the mountain. Well, the, the, the mountain, there's a lot of, there's a couple waterfalls. Um, mm. there's a couple different places to shoot from mountain. There's a, you know, a couple lakes and stuff. It's, it's very much very different from what I normally would do. Um, you know, I, like I, like most of my work is in a studio, in a restaurant. So, uh, get the opportunity to get out and blow the stink off myself is good once in a while, <laughs> you know? So, um, so that's, I, I looked at that's, you know, a, a different aspect of the, of the photography, you know, it, it's always good to change things up, um, oh, to yeah. get a good perspective. Even if you're, if you focus on one thing, you know, photography has a lot of different things. And while, yeah, I don't think anybody's ever going to pay me for my landscape stuff, um, you know, to sell his fine you're art. Rick, you're with Rick Salmon. So. I'm, I'm with Rick Salmon out in, a, out in a great outdoors, and I do know there is a brewery in town. I did scope that oh, out. There so, you go. So there that, you will, go. that will be a good time, too. And then, um, yeah, just check out Sante Photo. Um, always more uh, opportunity. I just finished a couple workshops, so I do have to get some uh, workshops in for the fall. Uh, some food and beverage workshops will be uh, will be posted up there. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Freddie. Um, this has been a lot of, a lot of fun and, uh, and I learned quite a bit as well. Oh, well, thank you, Lynn. I, I appreciate you having me on and the, I've been listening to the podcast since you, uh, since you rebooted and, uh, it's great. Cool. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Thank you. I appreciate that as well. Thanks again to Freddie for sharing his expertise and his time with us. Freddie mentioned that we were working on a New Orleans cultural experience workshop, March 12th through 16th of 2020. You can go ahead and save the date for that one because it's going to be amazing. New Orleans is known for three things, food, music, and their culture. And our workshop will give you the opportunity to leave with great images of all three. It's like an ultimate travel photography experience. We'll photograph food in a French Quarter restaurant. We'll photograph some of the the iconic foods of the city. We'll photograph a jazz band in one of the famous local establishments and a second-line band going through the streets of the French Quarter. Now, if you are interested in being notified, I'll have a sign-up form on the show notes for this episode, episode 109. Find it there, drop in your info, and I'll let you know the minute that workshop goes live. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. And you're going to want to be there if you're interested in any kind of travel photography. Well, that wraps up another episode of EOS Photographer. Don't forget to subscribe and follow along each week. You can do that at eosphotographer.com forward slash subscribe. If you have questions for me, you can drop me a line at lynn at eosphotographer.com or just post it to my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash learn canon thanks again i'll talk with you again next week and until then let's go create something amazing take care